0: Welcome to the Golden Nuggets of Real Estate Investing, a podcast dedicated to helping you achieve financial freedom through real estate. We'll be discussing the most important lessons, or better known as the Golden Nuggets of Real Estate Investing, entrepreneurship, and personal finance with new and experienced investors to help you get into real estate investing or scale up your portfolio. So make sure to tune in. What's going on, everyone? It's Ross Nadayi, host of the Golden Nuggets podcast. Welcome to episode two. I got an episode full of Golden Nuggets for you. Today, I'll be joined by my special guest, Ben Bergen, who's a real estate investor out of Sarnia. Ben has been investing for two years now with a portfolio of 14 doors and growing. He gets into the weeds of what wholesaling is, how to wholesale, and what strategy he has personally been using to find off-market deals in a competitive market and build his investment portfolio. He talks about the fundamentals of Sarnia Market, how he has been funding his deals, joint ventureships, and the power of having a good network and tennis screening. With that being said, if you haven't already, please make sure you rate and review this podcast on Apple Podcasts. If you're watching on YouTube, leave me a comment, Like, and subscribe, and hit that notification bell so that you can stay up to date on the most recent episodes. Please share this podcast across all social media to help as many people as possible. Your sharing means everything. Thank you so much. Please enjoy episode two with Ben Bergen. So Welcome everybody to the golden nuggets of real estate investing. Today I'm joined here by my guest Ben Bergen, who is an investor in Sarnia. So we're going to talk all about real estate today, try to understand. What led him into real estate investing and what are some challenges that, and successes and failures that he faced? So without further ado, go ahead, Ben. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself?
1: Like Ross said, Ben Bergen from Sarnia, Ontario. Uh, I've been investing for about two years now. This year, 2020, uh, is when I really decided to put my boots to the ground and really start diving in uh, really hard into real estate investing. And I've done quite well, despite given the COVID-19 uh, restrictions and whatnot. So been quite uh, an exciting year for sure. Uh, And, you know, looking forward to the future.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So uh, Ben, if you don't mind uh, sharing, you know, you mentioned you've been investing for about two years. Like what kind of led you to real estate in the first place?
1: That's, there's a lot of things really. There's just so many things. Um, I think it was, I think I was in my backyard one day, literally just sitting there looking around, trying to paint a picture for my my life, you know, 10 years from now, where do I want to be? Mm-hmm. Um, I've got three daughters, right? So they all need to go to school. Um, they need to be, you know, that that's expensive. Um, there's things around my, uh, my property I want to do, like I'm always, you know, looking to upgrade things and whatnot. So um, I'm trying to I was really just trying to paint a picture for my life, my 10 year goal, and just realize that my day-to-day job wasn't going to cut it um you know in order for me to make it work at my day job i was gonna to have to work like 70 hours a week and you know take that much time away from my family so um at the same time my wife was starting to push me to start reading books you know it was self-development stuff like that and you know mindlessly scrolling through instagram one day there was a uh and I came up for a bunch of self-help books. So and then Rich Dad, Poor Dad was right front, center, purple book, <laughs> yellow letters. And I said, well, you know what? I'm a poor dad and I want to be a rich dad. So, you know, this book <laughs> probably suits me and where I want to be. Uh, so I said to my wife, I said, OK, you want me to read a book and get me this book for Christmas? And so she did. And I think I I didn't put the from the time I unwrapped the book and I didn't put it down until I was done reading it. Um and then one of the biggest takeaways from that was you know take action. Um so right around the same time I was done reading that book, uh Rich Dad poor dad was actually coming to Sarnia to just for a weekend uh course, right? Just a little uh warm-up course. Right. And so I went to that warm up course. Spent the weekend in the in the in there, and you know, again, the biggest thing was take action, right? Take action. So mm-hmm. from that point there, it's just sort of been easy. Uh, and then the next thing was, uh, uh, you know, I was telling talking to my wife about this and doing things, and she had been talking to a friend of hers, and her friend's like, "Well, Ben wants to get into real estate. You know, there's there's real estate coaches out there, mm-hmm. and." just so happened that there's a real estate coach from Sarnia, Ontario named Cory McKinnon. So, right. I mean, like, how is it, how ironic is it that, you know, here's a guy that I've, and I've never even heard of real estate coaches. Like, nobody yet, I think it's one of those things that, you know, really became a big thing in the last five years or so. Right. And so I'm like... A real estate coach, like what's that, <laughs> right. <laughs> right? Right. So, anyways, I, I reached out to him, and yeah, it, and it's I've been working with him, uh, with Corey for the last two years. So it's been great, and the growth I've seen from working with him as a coach, it's been great.
0: That's awesome. That, that's fantastic. Yeah. So so that the key takeaway from here is basically, like you said, you gotta educate yourself. Educate. Right. So uh, we do get that question quite a lot. Like you know, how do I get started? I think education is a big piece. So I'm glad that you got introduced to it through like a, like a book and then you took some action. You took, perhaps went to a conference and then you realized, you know what, I need a little bit more help and there's nothing wrong with that. You got to put yourself out there and hire a coach. Coaches are fantastic and it helps you get a lot more ahead than you try to figure things by yourself.
1: Yeah. I think uh, working with Corey, the best, the biggest thing that I learned from him was being able to source out your own deals finding those things, finding those deals yourself. Um, I I don't, I haven't bought a single property other than the first property I bought, which was before I was working with Corey, everything I bought (laughs) since then has been private, private deals. Um, Just sourcing out my own, my own leads and stuff like that. And, you know, it actually, it's, to me, it's a little bit more fun doing it that way because, you know, doing the online on market stuff, you know, you find the occasional good deal as far as I'm in Sarnia, it's a little bit different because everything in Sarnia seems to be exploding. It's hard to find a good deal in Sarnia. So, but, so finding those off market deals is just to me, it's a little little bit more fun because you get to deal with the seller directly. You get to negotiate your own deal. You get to, you know, it's just, it's it's a little bit more personal that way. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I made a lot of good, uh, good connections from sourcing my own deals. Um, The Two of the two, I bought. So I bought two duplexes earlier this year, and it was from the same seller. And um after we were all done with, you know, the the transactions, and we closed on the properties and whatnot, and he started asking me questions because I had used a joint venture partner to purchase these two duplexes. And he goes, he was asking me questions about this joint venture partner. I'm like, okay, yeah, this guy, he brings the money, I bring the deals, and you know, and we split the profits 50-50, and he's. Right. He started scratching his head, and he's like, "Well, is there any chance I could partner up on a deal with you someday?" I said, "Absolutely." So here he goes from a from being a, a seller to you know a potential JV partner. Um, right. So it was just like, what are the chances of a seller wanting to do that type of thing? Because I think that was his biggest thing was he knew the benefits of a, of the. A, of purchasing uh, investment properties, but he didn't like doing the work, right? He didn't like dealing with the tenants. He didn't like dealing with that stuff. And I think that's why he, um, you know, he sold me these two properties. He was just, he was just tired of dealing with the the issues all the time.
0: Yeah. So basically he's, he just wanted to be, you know, the, uh, the, the passive investor in this sense, instead of, you know, kind of taking over the, uh, day-to-day activity, like you were mentioning. So uh, for, for a lot of folks that are unfamiliar, so joint ventureship is is basically a partnership between two individuals or multiple individuals, I should say. Uh, and in essence, it's like you, could, you can, you know, the there's no perfect, I guess, formula for it, right? Some folks think, you know, you have to go down to 50-50 and someone has to be the money partner. No, like it's like it's between you partners and you can figure out if you want to bring even more folks in and, and because, you know, you and I both know, Ben, there's there's individuals that have, you know, like apartment buildings that so were like 150 units. Like, so you can imagine there's multiple stakeholders involved. So uh, yeah, it's all between you and the other individual. And one of the common um, things that we do here quite a lot is is the uh, vendor take back mortgage. Have you ever uh, approached any of your sellers uh, to maybe go with, with that as an option?
1: Yeah, that was actually uh, with these two duplexes, that was actually one of the first, questions I asked, right? Like uh, not one of the first, because I mean there's <laughs> sort of lead up to it, but right, that, right, right. That was some that was one of the questions I did ask. Um because you know him being an you know an investor himself, I figured mm. okay, this guy understands the 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 game and whatnot and how you know it would benefit him to actually become the bank and and but at the his uh he he didn't want to because he already had that money he was already had that money was going to use that money for something else already, so it didn't work for him at that time. Um, I I haven't yet came across a deal where I could uh, where I could implement a vendor take back. Uh, but I mean I'm the que- I always ask the question because you just never know. if you don't, you know if you don't ask, the answer is always no. So uh, I always ask to see if they're if they'd be interested and, and if it works out, perfect. If it doesn't, then you know you go to the next uh, the next option. So.
0: Yeah. So, so basically what, what, for folks that are unfamiliar with that terminology, vendor take back is basically you, you finance through the seller themselves. So the seller in essence acts like the bank, they give you the loans in a sense, you pay them the monthly fee, right? And then you have your own terms. Some people do it three years, two years, whatever it may be. So basically they're acting as a bank, giving you ownership and you take over and they get a monthly payment of, you know, the mortgage in, in a sense. So, um, Everybody's different. Like you said, there are some sellers that need the money immediately. Maybe they have other assets they want to uh, purchase or perhaps some of them don't know. Some of them simply think there's no other way, right? Um, They don't see the benefit or they don't know that there's there's a way where they can still cash flow in a sense, right? They're still getting some money coming in. So vendor take back is an absolutely... Uh, a fantastic way i still haven't done it myself but um, i like you said i am asking those questions now more than ever to see if that's a possibility because it helps me scale up then i don't have to exhaust all my funds and then i can move on and, and get on uh, you know multiple properties that way so that's fantastic uh, so you mentioned the first one you bought off on, on mls but the other ones you kind of uh, bought off market so what kind of was the shift? At, shift in your mindset. I mean, what made you decide? You know what? I'm not going to look at MLS anymore because uh, one of the common thing people always say is, "Oh, there's no deals at MLS." Right? There are few. Which you just have to look very carefully. But absolutely, the best way is you go get out there and get your own deals.
1: Uh, I think well, the biggest part of it was um, you know just working with Corey because
0: you know that's
1: one of the things he basically taught right off right off the get go was you mean MLS is good, but I mean it's it's there to be able to source out your own deals That's sort of where the mind shift came was when I started to work with Corey, Mm -hmm. uh, not even realizing, you know, buying private was an option, right?
0: Mm
1: -hmm. Um, I've heard of people selling their houses privately and whatnot, but I mean, then when it comes to actually sourcing out your own investment properties, uh, being able to negotiate your own deals, um, is extremely beneficial for you and the seller. Uh, you know basically you're cutting out that middleman uh, you're negotiating you know your own terms and i've I've dealt with uh, agents in the past, real estate agents in the past, you know, and you try to negotiate uh, vendor take backs with you know okay, you look, so you say to the agent, okay, well, do you think the seller would be interested in a vendor takeback well, right. what's that what's that <laughs> or, or, or you know do you think that you think we could get vacant possession then and, and the real estate agent's just like, you can't do that I'm like Yes, you can if you negotiate a little bit. So being able to negotiate your own terms on the sales is such such a benefit. Uh, and just kind of that middleman, uh, you know, is is greatly beneficial
0: for both sides absolutely absolutely and then the best part is you know you you try to find something that is undervalued for the most part so that you can refinance for instance you can pull out that money so that's one of the biggest things that we do especially with the, the, the burr method right so are you primarily using the burr or what are some of your strategies that you use for for your investing so far
1: yeah so this year it's been that, that's like the burr the burr strategy is my main focus absolutely um i did do some wholesaling this year um and i also did a flip this year i wholesaled for four properties Uh, four single family homes. And then I also did a flip on a single family home. Uh, I just sort of, you know, I I just, like I said, 2020 was, you know, January back before COVID was a thing, right? You know, that was my mindset is 2020 is going to be the year where I really scale up and I really uh, uh, learn every aspect or in most aspects of real estate. And so, I just threw myself into a ton of different situations. I'm just like, you know what? I've never wholesaled before. And I, I came across a property. Uh, I was able to get it under contract for $85,000 and and then turn around and wholesale it for a $20,000 wholesale fee. And that was my first ever wholesale. So, uh, you know, it was a huge win for me because, I mean, that was a $20,000 <laughs>
0: right? Uh, Absolutely.
1: That I was actually able to use, take that $20,000 and use it on my duplex that I was at the time renovating and doing a burr strategy on. So it's actually, you'll take the fund from a wholesale and you put it towards a burr. Um And that's the, the glory of real estate. You can do so many different things in real estate. And I think that's where another thing that caught my, caught my ear in real estate was just the amount of different strategies you can do. Um, In my day job, I do still work, you know, every day, uh, 40 hours a week. um, And I'm just bored, right, where real estate is just there's constantly new people to meet, new people to talk to, you know, different things to learn all day, every day. Uh, Since, you know, getting into real estate, it's been, you know, every day. So it's it's one of those things I can't not
0: stop thinking about. Yeah, no, absolutely. And the, the beauty of this is also again, as investors, like we definitely need to make sure whatever property we purchase is you got to think of multiple strategies, right? You guys have, if, if you go in there thinking, you know what, I'm gonna just flip this house, and if you don't hit margins, what are you gonna do then, right? You're essentially a loss. So, when analyzing properties, it's critical to have multiple exit strategies. So, what I mean by that is, like you said, one could be, you know, the 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 burr, so the buy, renovate, rent, refinance, and repeat method. Uh, which is very popular and uh, it, it is for a reason because you can then pull out your cash and move on to next uh, you know, properties. The other is the flipping, like you said. If you see something that you need quick cash, a flipping could be a, a fantastic strategy. There's other things as well. Airbnb is another big one when people just basically buy and hold and they put on short term rentals. There's, of course, the long term rentals and then wholesaling. So, uh, for those that don't understand what wholesaling is, do you mind just kind of elaborating and giving us a little bit of definition of what that is exactly?
1: Yeah, so wholesaling is when you uh, get a property under contract and turn around and sell the contract to another investor for a wholesale fee. Um, I always like to keep enough meat on the bone for the next person as well, so I will, you know, uh, adjust my wholesale fee based on what I feel is suitable for that specific property. Mm-hmm. Um, I've learned in the past, and maybe sometimes I don't charge enough, <laughs> <laughs> but. That's yep. okay. Right. That's okay. Because, you know, it's not, it's not a failure. It's a lesson. Right. So, um, yeah, so it, that's basically what a wholesale is. And and it is, uh, it's a good way to get into the game, um, into the real estate investing game to really raise some capital.
0: Yeah. So recap. So basically when, uh, when you put something under contract, the benefit of this is, is you basically say, uh, ben, I'm buying this property. I need 30 days to close on it. Let's say January 30th. So till January 30th, when you have the assignment clause in there, that what that allows you to do is you he can sell that contract over to anybody. So I can purchase it from Ben. Ben is not going to close on it. So he doesn't have to worry about taking the mortgage. He doesn't have to worry about the finances. He's going to collect his uh, $10,000 or $20,000 free and off he goes. He gets his pay I get the benefit of uh, purchasing a property undervalue the market so I'm happy he's happy we both walk away from you know winning in the situation so that's the beauty of wholesaling and a lot of folks you will yeah, that uh, will talk about that because under off market deals are probably the best way of scaling and, and building portfolio because really the, your win is when you when you purchase the property it's not after Sure, the after repair value is important, but you make the money on your buy, so that's very critical. So I'm glad that you know that you are sourcing. So let's get into a little bit of about that, uh, Ben. So how are you sourcing? I mean, are you handing out flyers, or are the other online campaigns, or how are you how are you getting these leads?
1: So i I've, I've done flyers. I've done multiple uh, flyer campaigns in Sarnia. Um, I've got signs up around the city as well, uh, up on telephone poles and whatnot, um, and For sourcing out um, my multifamily properties, I'm actually, ones I'm really interested in, I will take that address to City Hall, find out where the taxes are mailed to, and I'll mail that person directly uh, with a a typed letter stating, I'm looking to purchase property, and uh, if you're looking to sell, I'm your guy, uh, let's make a deal, right? So, um it's as simple as that it's 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 but it's very that's a very powerful strategy for anybody looking to do that is is don't talk to the tenants the tenants don't care they don't want you to buy that property they you know what i mean they if you can if you can source out find out who owns that specific property that you're looking at and mail that person directly or get their phone number um that's the way to do it that's a very powerful way that way you're 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 right in front of the owner right that's where you want to be
0: um, absolutely yeah,
1: yeah. i've even uh there was a for sign out in front of a building the one time i called the for sign acting like i was a tenant looking to move in and we set up a time to meet and all this stuff and i walked through the place like i was interested in moving in <laughs> and and then uh basically at the end of it i said oh well by the way i'm like, i'm interested in this unit but i'm also interested in all the units and she's just sort of scratched her head i said yeah i want to buy the whole place and and uh, so she's like, "Oh, oh, what are <laughs> you people again?"
0: <laughs> oh, okay, okay. So she wasn't looking to sell, it sounds like.
1: <laughs> no, she, she was, she was, she uh, just likes to hang on to her stuff. She said, "She goes, once I get something, I hang on to it as long as I can." So, right, um, I still, I have her phone number still. I still call her phone number once in a while, even a yep. message. um, you know, she never picks up. But I always leave a message, anyways, and at least she hears my voice and she knows I'm still interested. So.
0: Yeah, and, and see, so you're, you're onto something. And then like, you know, folks that are especially that are in, in the sales industry will understand that it's you have to have multiple points of contact. Just, just me talking to Ben today and and then not talking to a year is not going to benefit anybody because guess what? He talks to a million people a day. Yeah. And, you know, you have to be top of mind at all times. So uh, it, yeah, it's absolutely critical. Like stay in touch with these folks, you know, drop them a quick text. If you don't want to be on the phone 24 hours, we totally understand. We're all busy. Uh, send a mail, send a quick, you know, uh, Merry, Merry Christmas card, whatever it may be, something to uh, stay in touch because you got to be, if you're not top of mind, they're going to forget about you, right? So, and I'm sure, like many other wholesalers, like you also pr- uh, provide referral fees. So that could be another good incentive. So that individuals that may perhaps come across a building or they know a friend of theirs that are that are uh, thinking of selling, they are going to call you first because a you have you build that relation with them over the years or over the uh, you know time you know each other, and and they are they are getting something out of it at the end of the day. So there's some incentive for them to approach you.
1: Yeah, and yeah, and actually this year, um, I think. Well, out of the four that I wholesale, one of them was through a flyer campaign. The other three were word of mouth. There just, you go. Yeah, just per, people knowing that I buy property and stuff like that, you know, and and then they contact me and a lot of them have actually contacted me, uh, a few of them, and and didn't even realize I offered a referral fee. And so when they're calling or when they're talking to me... And, and they're telling me about this property and I'd be like, oh, by the way, you know, if I do close on this property, I, I give you a thousand right. dollar referral fee. And they're just like, what? And <laughs> job drops. And I'm like, yeah, that's, that's how I do it. If you, I mean, like everyone, and I explained to them this, how it all works. And they're right. like, oh, that, that's really cool. You know, thank, thank you so much. Right. Mm-hmm. So, um, and that entices them to keep calling you, you know, and, and, and you know, like you said, top of mind. Right. So. You hand somebody a thousand dollars, they're gonna remember you for the next one. So,
0: absolutely, absolutely. So, have you have you been have you also done some door knocking uh, as well? Or do you, is this kind of like what you've been doing uh, so far, more on the mail campaign directly to the owners?
1: Yeah. So, I, I've done. I did one day of door knocking, and it wasn't my favorite thing to do. So, it's it's one of those things I've uh, yet to do again. Um, I see a lot of other people doing it, and all the power to them. You know, if you find a good deal, call me maybe I'll buy it from you, (laughs) but, but, uh, as far as doing it myself, I, I'd rather, um, I'd rather not, I I do like the flyer campaigns. Uh, I, in Sarnia, it's, there's so many other, there's a lot of wholesalers right now. A lot of people looking at Sarnia. Um, so the wholesale letters are flying everywhere. Like, um, people that I work with know that I'm into this, getting into this industry, so I, it's funny how many times I, you know, I sit down at work and somebody comes over with somebody else's flyer and you're like oh do you know this guy? I'm like oh yeah I know him. Oh do you know
0: him? Yeah I know him. <laughs> yeah yeah no for sure it, it, it's it, the the whole investment uh, world is getting bigger. Let's uh, it's becoming a little bit more mainstream because social media has made it so much more uh, simpler to uh, pass on information and to educate and to learn. So absolutely I do hear that. Uh, I know some wholesalers as well. Uh, they that's the mo- the common complaint they said It's like everybody's a wholesaler nowadays. So. Uh, People are getting bombarded, but again, you have to be smart, right? Like you figured out a great strategy where you're kind of, you know, getting rid of all the mess and going straight, straight directly to the owners, right? Because as a tenant, if I'm living in a, in a property, I'm probably getting bombarded by like 40 flyers a week. Like, well, guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to toss that right in the trash, yeah. right? It's it's kind of like, you know, those other flyers that we usually get, you know, I honestly, I don't even look at them. I literally toss them in the trash because there's no incentive there for me. Sure. Yeah. Um, and then, like you said, a lot of the tenants are also afraid. You know, if they if they inv- introduce you to the landlord, they may they're afraid that they may lose the place or they may have to be evicted and whatnot. May uh, so there's a lot of uh, you know uh, fear around that. So uh, definitely, I love that the, your approach there. Um, so speaking of which, Ben, how many uh, properties are you on right now? How many do you have right now? How many are you holding?
1: Yeah, so I've got five right now. Um, two of them are with uh, JV Partners. Those are the team the two duplexes I closed earlier this year and I'm closing on my sixth, uh, property in, uh, January 31st. So beautiful. Uh, yeah. So I'm, I'm up to 12 doors right now and I'll be closing on 13th and 14th in January. So that, that majority of that has all happened other than one of those doors has happened. and has been this from this year.
0: So. Awesome. And are you, are you, uh, uh going through private lending for these or are you going through conventional lending?
1: Uh, so good question. That that one was a good. <laughs> so yeah. So the first one, yeah, it was private. The second two were private. The fourth one was private. Yeah. So a lot of private lending. Um, the one of the so one one of the best stories I've got from this year um was again going back to those two duplexes that I was closing right. with my G V partner. Um. Uh, I was working with their mortgage broker, and this really has to do with doing your homework and due diligence on the person the mortgage broker you 're working with i was working with this mortgage broker he told me right from the day one that yeah you shouldn 't be a there should be no issues with you getting the mortgages for these properties so I said fantastic let 's get the paperwork rolling right mm-hmm. so Basically at the point there, like I was giving him so much paperwork. Like I figured the next thing he needed was my, was my oldest child. <laughs> I was just like, how much more information and do you, you, do you need? Right. <laughs> and I, and I kept asking him, am I getting the mortgages? Cause I mean, every time there's like, I've been getting these mortgages. Why do you need this? Well, they just want to make sure I'm like, well, am I getting the mortgages? I, I kept asking that over and over and over again. Six days before closing, he calls me and says, Ben, you didn't get the mortgages. So I said, excuse me, you told me right for the last three, four weeks that I was getting these mortgages. And what happened? Wow. And he, he listed a bunch of excuses, right? So I said, you know what, just seize all work. Um, you know, just stop. Just please stop. <laughs> so anyway, so I, I had actually called um I called one private lender that I knew and I, I told him the story about what happened, what was going on and stuff like that. And then I said, I need, I need $348,000 to close on these properties mm-hmm. on Friday. <laughs> and he's like, I, he's, he just sort of chuckled right?" I'm like, goes, he goes, let me see what I can do. So we ended up, he had 345,000 available. So I called uh, so after actually after I had called or talked to the the mortgage broker, I called the seller and I said, by the way, this is what's going on with the mortgage broker. Mm-hmm. He told me I was getting the mortgages and now I'm not. And he goes, and the seller says, What are you gonna do? I said, Well, either way, we're closing on these properties on Friday. He goes, How are you gonna do it? I said, Leave it with me, I'll get back to you. Twelve hours later, I called him. I said, Yeah, I got the money, we're closing on Friday. And he he goes, he was beside himself. He said, How did you do it? I said, I don't know, man. Stress, stress—it makes you do weird things, and it, uh, yeah, it worked for me, and we were able to pull through and close on those properties using private money within yeah. closing. So,
0: and that that speaks, uh, you know, highly of having a network, right? So you knew these individuals beforehand, right? So that's another thing that a lot of folks need to understand. You need to have a network. Your net worth is your net worth. Can't even express that anymore, right? So knowing these individuals, you were able to you know, allocate and get that within the next 12 hours, which is unheard of, right? Had you not known anybody, you would have been scrambling. You, you probably would have had to let go and uh, probably potentially even lose your deposit, right? So um, earlier you spoke about that too. So you were telling people, oh, you know what, I'm, I'm, a, you know, I'm an investor. I'm looking to purchase. So then that's giving you referrals. Um, and a, a, a big part of also... Uh, you know, getting coached, I'm sure you're also being introduced to other folks that are investors in the in the area, right? So uh, you earlier, you mentioned you had some JVs. So some of the struggles that we have as investors is attracting JV partners. So how did you, how are you able to find, uh, you know, partners who are willing to go on with you on these, uh, you know, couple of properties?
1: So this, it was tough. Again, going back, uh, this is like, so these, these two duplexes I've got with the JV partner, I got under contract, again, just before COVID was a thing, right? Mm -hmm. Um, so I got them under contract and then that was the next thing is to start finding JV partners. Um, by that time COVID was, you know, ramping up to this, to become this big issue Mm -hmm. and people were uncertain. They were figured, they figured it was like back in 2008 when, you know, everything just crumbled, like the real estate market just crumbled. Um, so everyone was tightening up their, you know, their wallets. They weren't, there weren't you know, everyone was sitting back and just seeing what was going to happen. And so I would go for a little while trying to find a JV partner and I wouldn't, I confronted a few people and it was the same thing, right. Over and over and over again. And, um you know, Oh, it doesn't, uh, I don't, I'm not sure. I don't think that's going to work for me. And it's just like, here I am new to JVs. Like this is my first time ever trying to do a JV with a, with a person. Right. And trying to sell these deals to these people during, covid and <laughs> like so anyways it's uh, the and you talked about your network right well through my network two people were having a conversation and one person brought up my name to the other person well that person ended up calling me and wanting to chat about sarnia mm-hmm. and investing in sarnia so mm-hmm. uh this gentleman called me, hadn't heard of him before, hadn't talked to him before. He, him and I chatted the one day and he says, you know, he said, I'm looking to deploy some capital in Sarnid. Do you know of anybody that's got any deals? And I'm like, right here. <laughs> <laughs> he goes, well, I said, I've got two duplexes right now that i am got under contract and I'm looking for a JV partner. Right. He goes, you so asked me how much I needed and he's like, that's pretty much exactly what I've got. Perfect. So." It was, it worked out really well that, uh, and then from that point there, he, he had already been investing in real estate for, you know, 10 plus years. So he really, again, really understood the game. Mm -hmm. And I think that was one of the biggest benefits I had working with him was because he'd been real estate investing already for 10 plus years, he understood JV partnerships. He knew how to write up the contracts and, and, and the agreements and stuff like that. So it was literally just a matter of, him cutting and pasting and being like, this is what I've done in the past. Uh, you know, if it works for you, it works for me. And I went over it and it was everything split 50, 50, you know, and it works really well. So um, that's, yeah, it's, it's been great. So,
0: That's awesome. No, that's awesome. That's exactly what it is, right? Like uh, to, to your point, you you kind of have to still vet who you're going to JV with. I mean, folks that have kind of JV blindly with different people are a lot of them kind of regret it for the lack of better word. Um, and the reason for that is because you guys have to be on the same page, right? So uh, the terms have to be clear. Uh, you have to really outline what the responsibilities of each of the, uh, you know, investors will be. So to your earlier example, some some, one, uh, some of them may be passive where they kind of just being the money partner. And the other one is taking over the, you know, the, the renovation, the tenants, uh, uh, the management, that's all handled through them. So they need, for you to have you know, a clear understanding of your roles—they do clearly have to be defined in your in your GVA agreement. Would you agree?
1: Oh, absolutely, one hundred percent. Like, um, you know, for my partner, it works out well for him because the properties are here in Sarnia. Mm-hmm. That's where I live. And that's right. where I live, and That's where I do all my investing. He's from Brampton, right? So right. He's, he's two and a half hours away, mm-hmm. and he's not going to come and help me. No, no, no. That's his job is just to sit back <laughs> for while, have fun. <laughs> Right, we do all the dirty work, and like I said, there's been some dirty work with these properties because we inherited some colorful tenants. We will call them mm-hmm. colorful. And they're 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 a different breed, um, but right. uh, it is what it is, right? And but at the end of the day, it's we've profited already from these properties without even doing anything to them.
0: Wow! Based,
1: just based on the the market appreciation from the beginning of COVID till what's happened throughout this year, um, you know. The market hasn't done anything but go up all year long. It's, so we've been able to benefit from that. It's, it's been great.
0: Yeah, just a quick stat for everybody. Like Looking at the market, uh, everybody was expecting a crash. It has not crashed at all. In fact, it's gone up other way. Um, so just in Sarnia alone, just to throw a stat in there, uh, looking at sales from November 2019 to November 2020, it was the last time I checked, it's gone up by 20%. Just let yeah. that sink in, 20%. For you doing absolutely nothing, your house is appreciated about that much. It's it's insane, and we don't know what's going to happen. Nobody has you know a way to to predict it. But uh, it, it, in my opinion, it's not sustainable at this growth at this pace. But for those that did take that leap of faith and invested instead of you know saving it and uh, letting the inflation take over, uh, they have profited significantly. So you just have to be smart. You have to do your homework. You have to know the market. So. Uh, you know, for him, it was for your partner. It was also smart because him being in the GTA, I'm sure he doesn't know much about the markets and what's going on in Sarnia. So, by approaching somebody who's a local or who has multiple properties, I'm sure Ben, you know where to invest and where to not invest, right? Whereas other folks blindly just buy and and then they have to learn the hard way.
1: Yeah, yeah, that and that's a, that's the big thing, right? Like I I've, I've talked to other investors that have told me about where they purchased a house or a property in Sarnia. And you just, you don't want to burst their bubble, but you're just like, ooh. (laughs) 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 Yeah, you know what I mean? It's like, okay, well, I mean, it'll be fine, but just don't expect the best tenants, right? So
0: um, it it is,
1: you know, it is what it is, but uh, um, it is, it's, yeah, there are, there are, Sardin is a bit of a weird, weird area because I mean, there'll be a street known as, you know, a bad street, but the one end of it's actually a really good end you just got to stay towards that end of the street Or yeah, if you do end up on the other end of that street, yeah, you're going to end up with a different type of tenant, but um, it's, uh, it's got there, it's got its little pockets of of good and bad and and whatnot. But uh, for the most part, I don't think you can go wrong no matter where you buy in Sarnia Mm -hmm. um, as long as the price is right. When it comes down to it, you know, just do your homework, do your due diligence and, and go from there.
0: Absolutely. And then one of the things that you know, we, uh, we struggle with and what we, we look forward to um, you know, making sure we do it properly is tenant screening. So let's talk a little bit about tenant screening because uh, you know, there's all sorts of individuals in all different cities. You got your good and your bad, right? So for your property, since uh, you know, you, you're, you're sitting at quite a bit of unit number uh, right now, how do you handle a tenant screening? What are some of your processes there?
1: Um, so with the tenant string in there, obviously, um, I look for employment, um, good credit ratings, obviously. Right. Um, and whatnot. I do, I do like the younger crowd, younger, responsible crowd. I mean, obviously there's, I do like the younger responsible crowd because they're more apt to move out and move on sooner, right. Mm-hmm. Than, than say somebody say in their thirties or forties, um, or in their fifties, they're looking for somewhere to stick and stay, which is okay if that's what you're into, but I am looking, I'm like two, three, four years tops. Move on, refresh the unit, get the runs back up to where they should be, and whatnot. So um, there are a lot of like the tenant profile in Sargent, is not that bad. Like you, there are of course there's they're always the the riffraff, right? You got to just sift through that. Right. Um, I, I've landed some, some really good tenants. Any tenant that I've ever chose has been a great tenant. Uh, I've never had an issue with any of them. Um others that I've inherited, that seems to be where the problem lies, right those, <laughs> those inherited tenants, right' uh, yeah. uh I think a lot of a lot of other less savvy uh investors they'll just they they can't stand seeing their unit empty, right you know they just gotta get somebody in there just hoping that person will pay the rent where I'm more like I'm gonna do my homework and I'm even if it's got to stay empty for an extra couple weeks just to make sure I get that solid tenant. That's that's what I'll do, right? So,
0: absolutely, and, absolutely,
1: and it's paid off, right? Because I mean, like I've always, I've never had an issue with any of my tenants I've chosen myself.
0: Yeah, no, and that, that's a very good point. Yeah, um, to, individuals should not get desperate and you know try to fill the the unit as soon as possible. Because guess what? Someone could come in and pay you top dollars but then you're going to get calls every single day. Oh, this is broken. This happened. There could be domestic violence going on. The, the cops are calling you. So believe me, uh, you have to be selective. You'd rather have it, you know, sit there empty for even two months, you know, and then just to give it away. And uh, one of the things that, you know, uh, I'm sure you did this as well is that I always put that in my, in my, in my calculations. When I t- purchase a property, vacancy is always included. So Vacancy and holding costs. I think that's a very important fact that a lot of folks tend to forget is that you can't, ideally you would want to get a tenant at the very first day that it's like renovated, let's say. But again, do you want to just risk it and give it to anybody or would you rather be selective and pick the, you know, the cream of the crop? I'd rather the, uh, the other way around because like you said, it will pay off. Um, another thing you mentioned also is basically what you're trying to say was you, it's good to have a bit of a healthy, uh, tenant turnover. Yeah. And the reason for that is because every single year, as we know, especially in Sarnia, market rents have skyrocketed. So for you to, to, uh, you know, charge top dollars and keep the place renovated, the tenant turnover is fantastic.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I think, uh, a lot of it too is w- once you get your name out there as being a good landlord, like, um, uh-huh. i You know, even just in the last year or so, um, you can now, like, I've actually, I've got a couple of units that are becoming, coming vacant in the next few months.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Uh, I go to my tenants and be like, hey, do you know of anybody that's looking for a place to stay? I'll kick, I'll kick a little bit of money back to that tenant for helping me find, for helping me find somebody, right? Right, right. Um, because it just saves me a lot of hassle. I got two texts yesterday from two different people wanting to, looking for a place, right. From, you know, because they knew one of my other tenants. Right. Right. So yeah, even creating that. Uh, for
0: all system. <laughs>
1: yeah, referral system. Yeah. Just creating that. It, it just helps you out so much more in, in the long run. So I, I, because it saves me time and what's another, what's a hundred bucks for them to be like, Hey, here's a person. You know, if they fit the if they fit the profile, perfect. If not, unfortunately, they don't. So I just move on, right? So,
0: right, right. So, do you have like uh, do you typically just screen them on the phone? You speak to them, or do you have like a uh, you know form you send uh, send them out to kind of fill out an application beforehand? Uh, do you do any sort of background checks? What what are the ways that you kind of like look into um, you know making sure you're screening them properly?
1: Yeah, so I got I do have a uh, application they have to fill out um, with their social insurance number they sign off stating that I'm allowed to go look at their credit rating to make sure that they're they have decent credit mm-hmm. um, you know if they have a if they, if they have a job you know who's your boss I like to talk to your bosses how long you've been working you know where you are and stuff like that right Um and yeah, so it, it's pretty, pretty simple. It's just, it's just, you got to make sure you, if you can check that credit rating, make sure they have a job, make sure they're responsible. Um, uh, that's, that speaks volumes there.
0: Awesome. was no, fantastic. Uh, and Ben, yeah, if you don't mind sharing with us, perhaps one of your, your deals that you had, I mean, especially the ones that you kind of bird, high level numbers, like, you know, if you can uh, maybe take a case study. Uh, We'd love to hear uh, perhaps one of the projects you took uh, you took over, and you know, to walk us through and how that what worked out for you.
1: Yeah, so my first purchase was uh, a semi-detached. Um, I'll go with that one. And so I purchased it last year for one eighty-five. Uh, yeah. I got about fifteen thousand dollars into the renovation. Um, the backyard was a disaster; like it wasn't even rentable in the in the way that it was. So uh, uh, right. I. I took on the yard work myself. I'm, I'm handy that way. And, and I don't mind getting my hands dirty and, and doing the hard work like that. Um, but I was, a, so I was able to, you know, basically we're 200,000 into it. Um, and I just refinanced it uh, this week for so wow. I was So yeah. So I was able to pull out quite a bit at, you know, plus mortgage pay down and whatnot. I was able to pull out $53,000 and from that, with that money, I'm actually gonna be using it to
0: purchase my duplex and I'm closing January thirty-first. So it uh That's incredible. So and then how much are you renting it for? Uh that's is, is it a buy hold or
1: yeah, that's buy and hold and I'm renting it for fifteen seventy five right now, which is actually on the lower end as far as semi you know, a three bedroom, semi-detached home goes in Sarnia right now. But I've got uh I've got really good tenants in there and they're a young family and they're great people. So um, giving a deal to a person to a family like that is, is always worth it as well.
0: Absolutely. So on on yeah, it's so a win win for everybody. Uh, and and not, well, another thing I was going to say is it's a bit of a stigma for for whatever reason is like people look bad on investors for some reason. I don't know if you got that as well. It's like oh my god, you're going to buy this house, you're going to raise the value. But you know what? We're actually helping people build a community. We're gentrifying the area. We're rebuilding especially in the older cities, like uh, I, I don't know about other uh, cities specifically, some f- cities give you a little bit of hard time in terms of permits and whatnot. Others are very open to it because they want investors to come in. They want to attract good tenants, people that are uh, going to bring you jobs, you know, build a community. So is that, is that what's happening uh, in Sarnia would you say? Is it Sarnia is starting to, start to gentrify a little bit?
1: Absolutely. Like there, um, so my in-laws have lived in Sarnia. They were from Sarnia right from the, I think they were they were born in Sarnia, right? So they they've been <laughs> here for sixty-something years, right? They've seen, right. So well, they've they've seen areas of Sarnia go from being good areas mm-hmm. to bad areas to now turning around to becoming good areas again, because what's like, like you mentioned, house prices have gone up twenty percent in the, in just a year. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of those people that were buying houses in what we call the North End, um, where the is where it's desirable to be living, are now those people are people can't afford to live in that area anymore, so they're actually moving back down towards central Sarnia, um, where and turning those streets, those areas back around again, making them back, turning them back to what into what they used to be back, you know, 30 years ago. Um, so it's it's really nice to see that you know there's a lot of uh, a lot of people are putting money in, back into their homes and really sprucing these streets back up. So I would say absolutely, 100.
0: Yeah. And, and speaking of which, I mean, uh, I know uh, Sarnia is pretty big on chemicals. <laughs> There's a lot of, uh, it's actually known chemical chemicals. What are some major employers in that area? Because I know one of the things that we look for in, in a specific investment area is, of course, employment. Right. So do you mind sharing a little bit about, you know, some of the industrial uh, businesses that are, I guess, the big names, let say, that are existing?
1: Yeah. So I'm, I'm right in the heart of that stuff. Right. That's what I that's where I work every day. Um you know, my regular uh, work clothes or coveralls and a hard hat and safety glasses and big leather gloves and all that good stuff. So I can, I can speak to this stuff quite fluidly. Um, yeah. So we got, we got about, we got about five major refineries in Sarnia. Um, and then there's of course, a bunch of little spin-off refineries as well um, that are connected to those other bigger ones. Um, but right now, currently we've got a, a huge Multi multi billion uh, billion dollar project happening at Nova Chemicals right now, where they're actually expanding their their uh, their plant and and upgrading their their home plant or their their mother plant they call it. <laughs> yeah, they so they're up they're doing a ton a ton of upgrades. There's other uh, other refineries as well, you know, getting on board with that too, because CERN is uh, the infrastructure is here for for anybody from outside looking to build and invest into uh, the chemical industry sarnia's got it all and it's all here um you got the high pay the high paid jobs right these these uh um the union the unions are big in sarnia they're all high paid construction jobs um so yeah there's a lot of there's a lot of a lot of people making good money in this town and it reflects for sure
0: and that's great right like job growth is huge and that's what attracts folks to move in right so the city only gets bigger and bigger and folks move in um so that's fantastic I mean those are the one of the you know key criteria we all look into in a, in an investment market so that's that's fantastic here and I know a lot of folks don't even realize but like I Sarnia is one of my favorite places to visit during summertime you guys have a beautiful waterfront. The Lambton Shores is right across, and that's up, up, up north. Um, so I know specifically in the north, and I feel like there's a lot of uh, short-term rentals as well that's currently happening.
1: Yeah, at that, at that, I don't really know too much about the short-term, the Airbnbs and stuff like that. I, I haven't looked much into it myself, but uh, I, I do know there's, yeah, there's a few out there, and, and they're, they're killing it. So
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So maybe that will be something else we would and I would be considering. And then I'm there.
1: really <laughs> Right. Just got to get that, get, get that specific one that works, uh, will work for it. So.
0: One last thing I want to touch base, which I love to do. And a lot of people don't really focus on is failures, right? We always talk about success, but nobody talks about failures and failure is very important. So do you mind sharing me a, a failure story?
1: Yeah, I love this story. This is probably one of my favorite to tell. Um, so I contacted my lawyer the one day and I said, Hey, when are we signing to close on this property? I just, and it was it just went silent. He says, what property? <laughs> I said, I, I told him the address and he's like, that's not closing for two more weeks. I'm like, and I sort of just did one of those. I'm like, did I not tell you I changed the closing date? He's like, you must not have. So that was probably one of the biggest mistakes I've made so far. <laughs> you know, luckily, I wasn't I it wasn't affecting anybody. It wasn't it wasn't deterring you know it wasn't affecting anybody because I was dealing again with a private seller. Mm-hmm. That private seller was just selling that property to move in with her boyfriend, right? So it wasn't like I was wrecking anybody's purchase and sale. It just I had to go back to the seller and be like, uh, guess we're not closing today. And then they're like, Well, oh, why not? So I told them and they're like, Oh, okay. And, <laughs> and like we're closing next week, if that's okay. And they're like, "Yeah, I guess that's fine, right?" But you know, and then so, anyways, I bought them a bunch of tacos, and they were fine with that after that.
0: <laughs> yeah. Oh, wow. Well, so, so basically, the mistake was you didn't tell them actually, like they or they forgot about it.
1: No, I I I, I mistakenly I I forgot to tell my lawyer. Uh, just I forgot to send him him the uh, amendment for the date change, and mm. it just sort of ended up. Yeah, it was, it was uh, definitely a not a good situation situation to be in, but a very good learning. Like I said, it wasn't it, the seller wasn't looking; it wasn't holding up any other sales at that point. So right. it wasn't like, and they were really good. They were they were fine with it, so it worked out in the end, and everyone got what they wanted.
0: So yeah, this was this has been fantastic, uh, Ben. I just wanted to ask you just a few more things that I want to uh, you know kind of make this kind of customary towards all my guests coming on board. So I know you touched on it earlier, but Besides Rich Dad and Poor Dad, which is our everybody's favorite book, what are some of the, you know the assist uh, just name two other books that you think are very uh, important for someone to uh, starting off to read?
1: Uh so besides Rich Dad, Poor Dad, uh, Think and Grow Rich by uh, Napoleon Hill. That one was that one spoke to me. You know, spoke volumes to me. It just sort of helped you know, concrete you know, my thinking and be like, okay, you know, this it's okay to be obsessed over this kind of stuff because it helps right. you create the vision you're going for. Right. So, um, that one was a good one. The compound effect was another one. Uh, and the slight edge, like there's, a, that's another thing, you know, as far as myself and my personal growth before I read rich dad Poor Dad, I hadn't read a book, my adult life, unless I was like since college. Right. So I, mm-hmm. I was never a reader. Right? I didn't enjoy reading. Um, I, you know, if I was going to read something and had to be for a reason, well, now I've right. got more than enough reasons to read a book, and I <laughs> enjoy it because I know what I'm reading is actually I'm out, going to be able to implement those that knowledge.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely, and uh, I, I think that's the thing. Like we, as adults, we think once university or college is done, we think that's it. I'm just going to work, put my head down, go nine to five. But you know what? we constantly have to develop and, and grow ourselves. So one of the best ways to do that is through books. And uh, I've read the slide Edge as well. I'm actually, the other two you mentioned, they're actually on my sitting on my bookshelf. I need to get through. <laughs> yeah. uh, but the slide Edge is fantastic, fantastic book. Highly recommend it. And uh, yeah, the, 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 I, I think the biggest eye-opener for a lot of folks, not just investors, is definitely Rich Dad Poor Dad. I don't know what it is about it, the way is written, it just definitely resonates. So highly recommend starting with that because then you understand the basics, like what assets are, what's liability, how does one go and become a millionaire versus another individual that's just trying to keep up with the Jones. So that's basically in a nutshell, what the book really talks about.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's funny because I mean, in my day job, like I, I work with all these guys, like they're all making good money, mm-hmm. but they're all going out and buying horrible things. Like we're, we're, like depreciating assets where Absolutely. Um, where i'm you know and they but they hear and then they get bored of they just they listen to me talk and they're bored they just they just whatever whatever, <laughs> whatever right so it's just like no but guys you have to understand <laughs> so it's funny yeah it's for sure and rich dad poor dad was a huge huge eye opener for me um like you said it just really showed you with the difference between assets and liabilities and, and the fact that, you're, that your primary residence actually isn't that. Yep. It was a different way of looking at it. And it was, it was huge, huge eye opener for me.
0: Uh, another question I want to ask is, is what's your favorite place to visit to travel to?
1: You know, I'm not a huge traveler, but uh, we went up to Savo Beach. There, we we're uh, my we're we're a camping family, right? So we went we went camping up there uh, two years ago, and I fell in love with the place. Um, that and that has become my end goal is to eventually get a cottage up in Savo Beach, up in that area, mm-hmm. and that's you know that's going to be my primary uh, res- retired uh, residence. So I'm I'm looking forward to that area. So. It's we, we love going up there. Uh, my kids, even today when we were playing Pictionary, right. Yeah. We're going up to Salvo beach. You said we were going to Savo beach. Are we going to Sabo beach? I'm like, <laughs> yeah, I guess we're going to Savo beach. <laughs> so we'll make the two and a half hour trek up the lake to, to Salvo beach, just to, for a little visit and turn around and come back.
0: Last question. What is your, why? Like, why are you looking to invest? What do you want to get out of this? Let's say end goal. Uh,
1: that's, uh, you know, uh, I heard rock the rock. He he answered this one question and he answered it very well. And he goes, his why is ever evolving, evolving. It's always evolving, right? My why changes all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, bottom line though, it's for my kids, right? Like my kids are my number one, my family, my number one, I want to make sure that they're set up in a way that I was never set up as a, as a, a coming up, you know, as a child, um, coming from a, a poor family, we we're always the poor family in the school. Um, I want my kids to, I'm not going to spoil them by any means. Like I tell them that all the time. I said, right. they're going to have to work for everything that you want, mm-hmm. but just know that I will be there to help and guide you and, and, and whatnot. Right. So, um, at least, uh, you know, I think my family is definitely my biggest why. And then, um, just, and then, being able to, you know, be retire early as well. Uh, I, you know, again, coming from the four family, if I ever wanted to buy anything myself, I had to go out and make my own money to pay for whatever I wanted to buy. So, so that early retirement for me, would be nice. It uh, I've been, you know, I've been a workhorse my whole life and now I'm sort of on the, I'm, I'm going to be 40 in February. And I'm just sort of thinking, like, okay, let's let's try to change the path here a little bit and mm-hmm. go a different direction, and see where it brings me. So I think uh, real estate's going to bring me where I want to be, and um, I couldn't be happier.
0: Absolutely, no, you're definitely on the right right Pat, Can't wait to hear what you're where you're going to end up next year. <laughs> the way you're projecting, yeah, I absolutely can see you doubling your portfolio.
1: Thank you. I it, I do have a goal of. Well, I got sort of two goals. Depending on which way that goes, either buy a, a property a month, mm-hmm. or buy bigger properties. You know, but fewer transactions, but bigger properties. So right. we'll, we'll, we'll see which path it goes. Um, I, you know. It, Either or
0: I'd be happy with either. So <laughs> that's awesome to hear. Well, thank you so much, Ben. This this has been a very amazing episode. You know, you you give us a lot of golden nuggets. That's what this whole podcast is about. I'm trying to get a understanding of what are you know the important aspects of you know real estate uh, things that we can share. Um, so I'm 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 hoping everybody listening and got lots of golden nuggets out of this. For folks that want to follow you or, or connect with you, how uh, how can they connect with you? Where can they find you?
1: Uh, I'm on Facebook, uh, Ben Bergen, and then I'm also on Instagram, Ben Bergen 7414.
0: Perfect. I'll have your uh, you know, information down in the show notes for folks that want to connect with Ben. Again, if you're interested in Sarnia, definitely feel free to message Ben. He's a fantastic source. So he may have some deals lined up for you. You don't ever know. <laughs>
1: That's right. That's
0: great. Right. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for, for joining us, Ben. And thanks uh, for everybody listening in. Uh, we'll catch you on the next episode. Thank you so much for tuning into today's episode. I hope you were able to get some great golden nuggets out of it. The kindest thing you could do is share this podcast across all social media to help as many people as possible. Your sharing of this content means everything. Thanks, and I'll see you on the next episode. Until next time, let's get it.